0: Hello and welcome to the Unappreciated Carer podcast, uh, the second episode with me, your host, Adam Story. So initially we had our first guest lined up, uh, Sharon. She's a, a former registered mental health nurse and uh, is currently a complex care manager. Due to the responsibilities of her role, unfortunately her time um, has, ta- has taken, taken uh her away from us um she has more important things to do but we um but fortunately we have rearranged and we'll be uh, speaking with her next week uh so we are very lucky that at short notice um i have uh, been able to get ryan he's um he's a Supply chain and the logistics guy. He's he's worked in uh, he's worked for the military uh, in uh, logistical capacity, and also um, is now working in recruitment uh, in regards to supply chains. He's worked with big companies such as DHL. Like I say, he's been in the RAF. Um, he really knows the stuff, which you're going to see. We talk about um, all manner of things. We talk about sort of coronavirus, the sort of impacts of. Uh, on PPE of, of um, uh, you know manufacturing all, all types of things um, we also talk about the uh, how if you're a care manager the impact that social media can have on your recruitment and we also bring it back to you know as a care worker what can you be doing to develop your skills to you know to create a career path for yourself so yeah check it out and let me know what you think
1: How you doing? Not too bad, Adam. Thanking
0: you. How you doing? Yeah, all good. Thank you for doing this at such short notice.
1: that's all stepping right. yeah, in. Sorry, saving the day. Saving the day. Come to the rescue. Yeah. You know, I was actually thinking about doing this outside because it's a glorious day outside. But then, yeah, oh, do you know, what? I'm I am doing outside. Are you really? Do you, do you, do you, we podcasted al fresco. Al al, al fresco. Yes. Al fresco podcast. I love that. I would do it, but then I realised that it's beautiful sunshine. And uh, I'm Scottish, and my pasty white complexion will not handle the, <laughs> the wings and I don't want to get burnt. I've just shaved my head as well, lockdown shave, and yeah, um, my head. So you're exposed. Exposed. My head the, exposed. The nerve endings are exposed. <laughs> so I decided against this. I, I decided to come inside for this one, but I might, uh, I might venture out later. It's it's almost like it, it could almost be in Spain. It's nice. I like it. But, well, yeah, I mean, the, like the it, UK, they turn around the papers, they say, oh yeah, it's hotter than Ibiza. They always compare it to somewhere else. Like and like holiday destination, it makes me upset a little bit. That I can't enjoy it yeah. properly.
0: Exactly, like you know, I, you know. But I mean, it's more, it's more. I'm more worried that you know it's raining in Ibiza than uh, than you know than here. Is that? <laughs> but yeah. But um. <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, like I, I wanted to um. So I, I wanted to speak to you anyway. But you know, sort of, it's a, it's a, it's a week earlier than what we'd sort of planned. But um, you know, like you know, there's a. It's. I'm sure it's going to be as relevant. Um. Next week is, is what it is this week with, um, in regards to sort of logistics, supply chains, PPE, you know. Yeah. Um, and you've got a, a, a hell of a wealth of experience in sort of logistics and supply chains, both um, with the military and in recruitment. So, I mean, would you mind giving us a little bit of background on that? Just
1: yeah, well, I've, uh, I've, as I say, I've been in uh, logistics and supply chain for a number of years. I started off when I was 19 years old. Mm. Um, into the military side of things, that's where I really kind of got my uh, uh, first taste of the logistics background. Worked in all sorts of uh, logistics um, aspects, so everything from the supply chain, procurement, uh, even in warehousing, you know, uh, forklift and all that sort of stuff. I did a little business there for about seven years in the Air Force. Um, yeah. And then from there, I, I, as I left, uh, I moved into the civilian life, they call it, and uh, I carried on doing it. So, um, how was that transition? how difficult well the thing is in 2009 that's where I left and yeah. that was the, the the last recession we had and that was a mental one that was a big one so yeah. leaving the Air Force and leaving the forces coming back into civil life uh, there's no jobs available was, it's there? Not there was not nothing going on for, it's not
0: just you it's looking so- for a job it's everyone
1: Oh, of course there was nothing going on so I wanted to stay in logistics so the good thing about it is I was getting a lot of contract work so I was getting a lot of like kind of 6 to 12 month contract work in mm. different fields so it was in uh, purchasing and the supply chain side of things and shipping that's where yeah. I really kind of got honed in so I've done every part of it and then obviously working abroad as well uh, I worked uh, over in uh, Afghanistan for two years yeah, yeah doing that exact same job working there doing logistics side of things more like transport and warehousing side Mhm. And uh, yeah. yeah, with any recruitment after, thought so i be like, right, let's get back into so let's see what this recruitment bag is like, and went into that. The
0: situation of care right now, we we have a severe lack of PPE available to to care workers, nurses. You can sit, you know, you're you have seen that all over the media and sort of with your own connections as well. You'd be well aware of the challenges there. I mean, yeah. we, you know you know most of us in care we 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 don't know anything about supply chains and and what you know what they consist of and what and what that what it actually means all we see is the effect of you know we have um confirmed cases of coronavirus um in care homes we need to have face masks we need to have visors and they're not always readily available to us um or we're being limited about how many we can wear. I mean, I know from sort of lots of sort of uh, conversations that I have, um, there's ca- there's carers who you know they want to be wearing a face mask at all times, and um, they're not. They're just not available. They've got, you know they've been given a government you know sort of three hundred, and then care homes are trying to source other face masks outside of that, and they're not able to. So yeah. I mean, just first of all, what what would you be able to just describe? What is the supply chain? What does it mean?
1: Bog standard. Supply chain, it literally is getting the, the process of getting goods and obviously tra- consumables, anything from one place to another, from manufacturer to the end user. That is the yep. bog standard ex- explanation from it. Yep. it, it There's supply chain in every aspect now. Um, it, it comes from, uh, like when you go online on the internet, uh, you go on Amazon, you go on the air bomb, you get your bits and pieces and it comes across. That's, that's your job done. But what happens in the background of that Someone has actually set up a, a process of how you get that, um, how you get that um, uh, item that you've ordered, sort of thing online. Could be online, could be on phone. Olden times, so it's literally a whole massive process. Now this goes all the way back to uh, when we were talking about the shortage of why that is. What's the case? Yeah, supply chain has been uh, it is literally uh, it's one of those things that's been proven how they actually um, develop a supply chain process is from previous. So it's from big data. You know, big yeah. data nowadays and data is the most, oh, it's the most sought after commodity in the, in the world right now. I was going to say more than oil, but the way oil is going down, I don't think that's anywhere near the top at the minute. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it's big data. So what they use the, the, the data for is project future revenue sort of thing. You can see that what happens in um, Christmas, for instance, the week before Christmas, the, from previous um, uh, years, they know there's going to be a huge amount of um, stock, a huge amount of people going out and buying. So they, they have to implement that into a supply chain process by buying more Though two weeks or three weeks before. probably mm. Sometimes it's actually months beforehand they, uh, they, they, to get the goods in, to yeah. get it onto the end user by that sort of process. Now what's happening now is because of the, the situation in the, the world now, we've never seen this before. This has never been happened. We've never counteracted this. So when yep. people say that um, the supply chain is failing, well, the supply chain is not failing because yep. they haven't had the data behind to find out what actually is the consumable. You know, it's, for instance, two weeks ago, we talked about Christmas a minute ago, two weeks ago they said when everyone was bulk buying the supermarkets and everyone was panicking saying that, oh my God, we're, we're running out of food. It's not the case because what's yep. happened is they did a, a lot of um, looked at the data and they said the amount of people were buying was triple the amount that people were buying on the, the busiest time of the year, which was before Christmas.
0: Yeah, so, well, I think there's definitely an argument you can make there where, you know, if you, you know people have bought seven lo- lots of toilet roll and they possibly only needed two or three, you know, like and, you know, and so, you know, they've taken three people's worth of, um, of uh, stock, you know. So therefore, you know, if, if everyone had just sort of been sensible, then
1: th- then the supply chain would have been able to keep up. Of course, of course. And the thing is, is when they turn around the counteract argument, I've had a few times with a lot of mm. um, uh, different friends and family saying, well, why are you, they only limiting you to two or three now or two at a time? Well, there, there's a reason for that. The One of the main reasons, or well, the whole reason is, is you're going out and you're buying stockpiling seven, eight, nine, ten of these items, you know? So they're not the, 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 the companies who, let's say like Andrex, for instance, or whoever it is, or Sainsbury's, they're not going to sit there and pump mode loads back in because yeah. that means they're, st- they're bulking up. They're not going to be sold. So when all this has died down, they'll be sitting there with a surplus of stock on a shelf that's not selling because they don't, they, they've overspent, the consumer has overspent all, this, all these items. They won't yeah. be buying it for like six months. So what's the point in having that? So they're, they're trying to kind of ease the, the consumer habits by easing the supply chain process of it and not lose as much money as possible.
0: Yeah. And I think there's an element of we're starting to say, I mean, I went to, uh, a few days ago, to to Aldi to shop, and there was and you know they were fully stocked on toilet roll and stuff like that. And there's probably the element now that you know everyone who has who who was hoarding has and still has their supply, and now the supply chain's been able to catch up with the demand. Um yeah. But you know, I just wanted to circle back actually on uh, on a sort of something you've made a point that you made there, where it was um, you said that. You know the supply chain's never seen anything like this before, which you know, hundred um, percent. I did see that there was a like a test done, um, a pandemic test done in two thousand and sixteen, mm. and like they hi- there was a and from that testing, they highlighted the fact that you know sort of your the sheer demand of uh, of PPE was was going to be a problem, and also so was you know sort of trying to you know it's not just making the stuff it's the it's distributing it as well you know they they said creating enough pp would be a a problem and so we're distributing it so who would you know if if they've done that test in 2016 who's at fault for that is it government is it like sort of companies you know who
1: who well the thing is is when it comes down to stuff like that, you get that the the world health organization who do all these sort of tests and yeah you get like um all these government bodies who do such such tests like that they only advise. It's up to the rest of us to really um, can I, uh, uh, implement it. So all these companies have to in, implement it. But the yeah. problem is as well, and a business point of view and in a supply chain point of view as well, it's, the, 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 it comes down to money. It's all about stockpiling. Where, where are you going to get the warehouse space for this? Because yeah. it's going to be a hell of a lot and it's just going to be there just in case. You know. Yeah. So this could you, you could obviously say like for PP, for instance, you could hold um, in a warehouse, you have to rent out a warehouse, to hold all these, like, well, a whole warehouse full, it could be, or half a warehouse full, full of stock, just mm. on the off chance that this might happen. It's not a guarantee. So yeah. what they're saying to themselves now is, we could use that warehouse space for other items and keep it here. yeah. Instead for stuff that consumables that we know are going to be sold quick. We know it's going to happen. So it all, it all comes down to money and space. There's a lack of warehouse space in the UK at the minute yeah, um, for a number of different reasons, just because of, money, investment, and all that sort of stuff is all taking its toll. So, unfortunately, what it comes down to is just people, as you say, not taking it seriously not saying, oh, it might never happen. And it comes down to money as well, costing.
0: Yeah. And then, so, do you think, obviously, you know, there's a huge demand on sort of manufacturing right now. You're seeing sort of UK companies really stepping into the, into the breach and, um, you know, sort of, I think you've got your... Yeah, Aston Martins and stuff like that, making ventilators. You've got um, all manner of, you know, sort of clothing companies that are stepping in to sort of try and create gowns and things for the NHS. Yeah. Um, you know, and actually, the local charity here, sort of the, for the Ipswich and Colchester um, hospitals, uh, they've got a charity set where they're, you know, they're, they're asking anyone who's got the skills to do so, to to be sort of helping with um, making these gowns, you know. So yeah. do, do you think that they're do you think that there's a that the problem is that we've sort of relied upon more uh, more from manufacturers and suppliers from abroad or do you think that we would have have had the same challenges if manufacturing was local like do you think we'd, we would have been a better place to respond to this quicker if factories were set up ready to go here
1: yeah of course without a doubt uh, would have been we, we wouldn't we wouldn't be in this mess in the first place if everything we actually created was actually manufactured here or anything we needed was manufactured here. But unfortunately, in the realistic terms, it's not. We're externally sourcing it from different countries. 90, probably 90, 80, I would probably say about 70, 80% of that will be in China. China yeah. is, the juggernaut that it is, creates the whole world, to be quite honest with you. We rely on trade coming from China of consumables, such as um, uh, um, face masks and PPE and all that sort of stuff. How many times have you seen everything you pick up in your home, electronics as well, Manufactured in China, made in China. Even your iPhones are made in China now. You know what I mean? So it's it's a huge, huge problem when China goes down. I
0: think I think, if... we, I think we would have like I, I think just sort of, sort of there, there was a there's a there's a point there that I think we'd still be in the posi- same position in terms of the virus. Um, I don't think if we manufactured in the UK, it'd be any slower. But do you think we'd have been able to like res- like to create the PPE? Quicker to like you know to and distribute it easier than obviously, like you're saying, relying on
1: abroad, yeah, of course, without a doubt. Without a doubt, we'd be we'd, the, the virus would still be here, but we'd be able we'll be uh, better equipped to deal yeah. with it. we there wouldn't be any problems, there wouldn't be any scaring, but obviously, because everyone, all your care workers and all your uh, nurses and doctors, all that sort of stuff who are tackling and helping people, will have the necessary equipment to do the job effectively and properly. And that's what it all comes down to. because if you don't have the the, the products, you don't have the necessary, necessary um, PPE, you, you get scared, you don't know how to do your job, and some people are not going into it because of that, you know, they, they feel, uh, so if, you, uh, if they actually had relevant PPE manufacturing in the UK, or very close to, let's say, like Ireland, even France, which is easy access to, yeah. we, will be, we would be in a, a lot better position to tackle it.
0: Do you know what one of the problems I had when I was um what one of the problems I had when you know this is in the earlier days um sort of I, with, with the face masks, so I tried to sort of uh, follow the chain up about it, the the basically the government um provided three hundred um face masks to every care provider and yeah. that um and. To, i've tried to sort of follow up the chain i called up the people who made them and eventually got i had to speak to three different companies and i wanted to find out exactly like when how often do you, do you have to change these masks because i had um you know the conversations that i was having is they wanted to wear a mask for the entire shift and i was like well from my my experience uh, and my understanding is that a face mask is kind of redundant once it come becomes moist and wet sort of thing you, you know yeah. um And you know, so how often I was trying to find out how often should you change change these face masks because it doesn't seem, you know, sort of sensible to wear the same one for the whole shift. And it was very very difficult to get an answer out of any any anybody. You know, I mean, you know, and nobody wanted to take sort of any responsibility for that. I don't, you know, I know these things are tested within an uh, an inch of its life. I mean, I think they were sort of triple FP. or FFP three yeah. um, sort of face masks, or sort of the proper respiratory ones, and um, they yeah they didn't they didn't um, they didn't uh, have a, a, you know an answer to say you should change every you know we would recommend they, instead they said we would recommend that you change every time you go into a different hazard area, you know, and leaving that into, uh, up to inter- in, in, interpretation. What what does that mean? Is a is a hazard area to be considered? each room that you go into, you know, they're, they're, yeah. they're, you, you just never go, you know, and if that was the mindset, you just never, ever keep up with the supply because it's, um, you know, you'd be changing them every 15 minutes. Um, very, 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 it's just a very, very difficult situation for, for sort of uh, for homes to be in and for care managers and for care workers. You know, th- these guys are out there really, really putting on the line and and, you know, they... And they're not asking for too much, but, you know, um, but there's also the problem of like, the real world problems of practicality of you know, trying, to, trying to create these things quickly enough. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I know you're saying because the, the, how many times you actually do it, and that obviously puts a pressure on um, the, the, the stock they actually have. So if you're using, say, for, for sake of a 12-hour shift that you normally guys do, yeah. um, you could be using two, possibly three. Nine times out of ten, it'll be three, uh, two because you you want to keep that consumption low. Yeah, you know, uh, if that's realistic, I don't know. I don't work in the field, but as you know, obviously, and that's every day now. When's I don't know the the last time I wore a face mask, do any of my jobs sort of thing. Mm. I'm not sure how many times you had to wear when you were in care sort of thing. Um, uh, if there was anything like that, so having to use that so all the time is going to take is going to take a strain on the the, the 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 stock that we've got in the UK already. Yeah. So now we're having a look at. Right, how can we get more? Because what's the thing is is what I was mentioning before, all the consumables comes from China. And this is where everyone this is what a lot of people don't understand when it comes to it. That they're all people all kicking off saying we've not got the right correct PPE. The supply chain's failed. The supply chain hasn't failed. What's happening is they're not taking they didn't know this was gonna happen. So this is unprecedented. They didn't take the steps, the necessary necessary steps, to have this in place. Well th- each supply chain for each company has um like a, a disaster uh section of it so but this is obviously natural disasters such as like tsunamis this really got kicked in when the tsunami happened yeah um uh, boxing Day. well was 10 years ago i think it was that's when they already um they implemented this sort of process and obviously hurricane katrina over the u.s yeah to counteract what happens if there is a disaster can the supply chain handle it and is there a way to do it so what they normally do similar sort of thing to yourself anyway so uh, if a company's is using, I don't know, for instance, like an agency to get some staff in, they won't just solely use one agency. They'll use two or three agencies just in case one yep. fails. And it's a similar sort of aspect. So instead of going outside to China, they went across to different other um, manufacturers which were based in different countries as well to counteract. So if China falls, we've got another backup, and if that falls, we've got backup. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, what's happened now is all three of their pros, all three of their actual backups, are now in the same. Both. So, that is where it's failed. That's where it's really kind of getting struggling to. And
0: the thing is that you know, so it's, it's you know, not just a, it's it's a case that the factories are closing. You know, that's it's not it's not it's not just the transportation of it. It's you know, it's not trying to get the the having the factories open to to be creating. You know, what what you need to be making.
1: But well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is well, if you're in China and not because the, the problem what happened is over Christmas, it really kind of kicked in, and China was getting a lot. That's where it really started. But yeah. then in January in China, it's. Uh, uh, Chinese New Year, Ch- uh, January, February. And what happens over in China, the whole country shuts down. The yeah. whole country shuts down for two weeks. And then they go off home and all that sort of stuff. But because of this, they, they get told to go home. But then the government said, don't come back because of this. We're on lockdown sort of thing. So you can imagine how many, you, you, you're, um, all this is happening. And they're saying, we need you back to work. How many people in China would go, all, right, I'm going to go back to work now? Yeah. You wouldn't. You'd be like, no chance. I am not going to. People are dying. People are getting infected. I am staying safe where I am. Yeah. So this is what it is. So nobody's going back to work. The factories aren't open and they're not making as much um, uh, uh, product that needs to be brought over.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, these guys are the suppliers of the world in, in many cases, you know, like, like you said. Yeah, they are.
1: And it's not just us. It's not just us. No. You know, it's, um, they, we've, got, we've got a huge trade agreement with them. But so as uh, mainland Europe, Germany, for instance, you know, the US have just signed a massive trade group with Trump, and Australia rely on China Chinese products as well. So it's not just us; the, yeah. it's of the world are crippled. So it was an, it was announced yesterday
0: um, that we're sort of at the peak of uh, we, we, that. The, the UK government believe that we're at the peak of the peak of this COVID nineteen, um, which you know is kind of a bittersweet, really, you know, um, because there's. You know, we're still feeling the full, full full effect, and but you know, at the at the same time, it would be nice to start thinking that we're going to sort of, um, we hopefully begin and see the beginning of the end of of this. Um, how quickly do you think? You know, um, we, we you know, how quickly do you think that we will be heading towards normality, uh, uh, albeit probably a new normality?
1: <laughs> ah, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a hell of a long time, you know. Yeah. We, the thing, what's going to happen is when we come out of lockdown, it's not going to go straight away. Everything's going to open up straight away again. We're still yeah. having to be extremely cautious. So, the week before lockdown was, we're still on minimum manning. We're still uh, reducing public transport. We're still being vigilant. People might be able to still go to work and see places, but all these social gatherings. All pubs and all the retail shops will still be closed. Yeah, the we'll, we'll, only thing that will be different will be us. So they'll have to drip it through. They can't just open up the floodgates. I think it has to be dripped through. So I'll be very, very surprised if anything like pubs and all that sort of stuff will be open this year. I, I, I
0: think I agree completely. It's, it's that we, they'll they'll have to open things up. I think that's what they'll start to do. But they'll be encur- they'll be putting the onus on us to social distance um, as best we can. Uh, whilst at work and I th- really think they'll put the onus on us as to whether we go and see our elderly relatives or not because it's still in yeah. the world you know they you know they're going to want to get the world back to um you know sort of to to working um but they go but you know they I think they'll put the onus on us about our elderly f- family members and stuff like that and whether it's all well, we- to go and visit them still
1: yeah well that's the thing this is when you have to look at it that's exactly right because this is um, a good thing what's happening because of this disease that we've had the COVID-19 you've got coronavirus which is the virus mm-hmm. and then you've got the disease which is COVID-19 this is like they, they called it the scientists are calling this um, SARS-2 yeah. because this is a, like a, a mutated version of SARS it's exactly the same so when SARS pandemic happened over um, I think it was about five six years ago they made all the data so all the, the data from SARS is incredibly close to coronavirus and COVID-19 so they're above ahead of the game so when people are turning around and saying there won't be a vaccine available for 18 months. It's not the case because we've already got the data there, yeah. um, already behind us. We've got that there, but there's still a lot to learn from it because it's a different way of doing it. It's a different uh, uh, strain of it. It's like the flu. It's, you, this, you have so many versions of the flu. Is there going to be a, a specific vaccine to actually combat that one strain? We don't know. Yeah. This is the problem we're having.
0: You've got, to be, you've got to be so careful when you say it's like the flu because people don't like that. Well, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, <laughs> It's in the same. It's like same like it's in the same league as it. If that makes sense, you know, it's it's the similar sort of thing. Something yeah. like Chelsea's in the same league as Man
0: United. No, I see. Sort of I, I see. I see. What you, I said. Man United are not in Chelsea's league. I don't think. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a fan of <laughs> either. But, you know? But that's just on current results. But um, but yeah, but the um, but no, the um. Yeah, no, so, but uh, moving away from uh, sort of coronavirus
1: because, you know, it, yeah. uh, you know, sort of it, it is a heavy, heavy topic. Um, you can't help it though, can you? It's like I did one on my podcast the other day and I couldn't help but speak about it and it's just like, Oh, let's speak probably something a bit more cheerful about. Know, well, like, oh. You know,
0: and but, yeah, but uh, you know what? I, I appreciate your insight. You know, sort of as somebody who you know I'm not really uh, you know sort of clued up on how supply chains work and what you know what's the actual cause and reasons behind why we haven't got PPE at the north the because that's and I think that's something that would be that is interesting to sort of
1: to, to us. But there's, basically, just to finish off and actually jump in, yeah. the, the main talking point, the main takeaway from that is the reason why you haven't got. PPE and protective equipment uh, because the country's relied on too much foreign uh, and international trade that um that's if just fell apart. That's the basically the crust of it all to be fair. Yeah. But
0: well, you know, and that's that's a, that's one of that's one of, you know, many views that hopefully hopefully that they 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 learn a lesson from it and that we that they've got at least a, a a backup plan or, you know, sort of continue as you are, but you need to be stockpiling it here. Um, not yeah. not counting on anyone else, you know. Sort of, exactly. uh, what is it? What what they call it in sort of shipping? Is it sort of like uh, you know just in time? I think is that right?
1: Just in time, yeah. Just exactly in time,
0: you know, sort of, and you know, that's, that's uh, that you know that's that's changed the way all of us you know live our lives. But you know, but but there's you know you'd like to think that they've they've got that backup plan there for these situations. So, yeah. I mean, like you say, you've you've worked in you've moved into recruitment as well. You've been doing that for a long time. Um, uh-huh. And you've well, you've, had, you've you've had a real a real positive impact in in terms of like social media. You've built up a a really positive sort of personal brand. You, you tend to use um, social media as a as a big platform for yourselves to sort of build really personal relationships, with both your clients and the people that you're sort of recruiting. Yeah, recruitment is expensive at times um like you know and hopefully this will you you know this will help uh sort of care managers out there listening you know sort of but recruitment can be expensive advertising agency you know it's all it's it all costs money and this is often money that care providers don't have yeah it's also very time consuming to do it yourself so it's trying to strike the balance i mean there's social media out there is free um what would you say to a care manager who has hasn't really used social media media or has used it and hasn't had a positive experience you know whether that be they just it just didn't work that time or they didn't quite do the right things but how, how would what would you say to that care manager um about sort of um about how to use
1: uh social media what would be your top tips Top tips. Well, the thing is, as well, a lot of people, when they go into social media and stuff, that like when they use it and it doesn't work, they say, it doesn't work. We're not using it anymore. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is what happens when you use uh, that sort of platform like Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, it's all about actually um, trial and error. What works best for yourselves, yeah. you know? Fe- social media is, is, is a juggernaut. You're go- it's, it's never going to go away. It's going to be there. Facebook's here to stay. It's a massive, it's in a massive um, advantage whoever people use it. So the problem, what I would say is if you're looking to use uh, social media to get as it, like to employ staff, find out where they are. It's literally finding out where they live. Not yeah. where they live, but where yeah. they hang out. That's the main point is finding out. So it could be searching for groups. You know what I mean? There's a lot of number of different care groups out there or yeah. a number of different groups in your industry. Mm-hmm. Look for them. Engage with them. Give them a little bit. You're not going to, it's the, the, the old school mentality of don't, expect to go out on the first date and marry them it's not that case you have to really kind of engage with them comment on their post be build a relationship on that and then talk to them and say right what do you think and then go from there it's um it's a lot it's a lot time consuming but it's not there's a lot of different tools out there that can actually do this process for you Mm -hmm. automate it if you've not got the time you haven't got the uh, the the, um the financial backing to use an external company to do it for you there's a lot of free tools online to do it, so it's uh, just need to look for them really. To be I fair, think,
0: I think also you know there's a, there's a, you know the uh, you know and to anyone who sort of um, is, is reading our blogs and stuff like that, you know that they'll know what uh, sort of my view on it is. And you know I think <coughs> things are very under underappreciated in um, sort of in some services that we're working in. And I think if you can you know sort of just maintain your own page even, and you know even if you don't worry about other groups and sort of you know sort of that really heavy interaction, sometimes just managing your own page. And sort of, you know, showing yeah. the really positive things that you do, and you know, sort of, you know, residents having fun, games that you're doing, you know, um, care workers enjoying their work, their, their their work, you know, the that that just putting that positive message that 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 feeling of you know people are happy at work they're doing exactly what they want to do in terms of being able to care for people and just and do it with a smile on their face you know um, yeah quite a really positive energy about uh, about yourself and and um and you know that you, that's going to make a difference people are going to want to come and sort of check you out. Well, that's the thing. Cause a lot of people,
1: um, they think about trying to get some jobs and they use like Indeed or they use job boards and just mm. leave it or put up a job on Facebook and leave it and let that, the process do it. Yeah. It doesn't work anymore anymore. This is, it's completely different now. You have to really have a process involved. You want to create an authority that you are the one to go. Why You should really sit there and go, why do we want people? Why should they come work for us? As you mentioned before, build the profile up. Why should people come work for us? Why are we different from the care home down the road? Or yeah. why are we different from a... Doing, go and doing it yourself, sort of things so you really need to kind of think about why and then kind of reverse engineer it from there. You know, come up with an idea, come up with a process, come up with a plan, post up regular content about yourself, big your company up, say like we do this, we do this. Does your company do this? No, we do. Yeah. Look what we've got here. And it could be really simple things. Like um, uh, like we'll have like um, I don't know, like monthly uh dues out and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Some stupid like that, but as you know, you probably know more what happens in the industry more than I do, sort of thing, but what people are after. So it's literally finding out. And do not be afraid to speak to people. Don't, don't be afraid to go out there and just speak to people in groups and say, What are your major problems in the industry at the minute? What can we do to get ourselves better? Because they're the ones in the front line. Yeah. They're the ones that are going to be coming here. Speak to them. What can we do better? Why won't you come work for us? Is there a reason we've got a bad rep? If you have. Or is there a reason because the industry's failing? What's going on? Talk to us and then get a better idea.
0: I think that, you know, the, I think this would be, uh, you know, So I think some some hiring managers would find that difficult to hear because I think there's an element of um, people saying, well, I've got a job they should want to work. You know, uh, I think that can be a mentality out there at top. <laughs>
1: Well, it can be, but they need to swallow their pride and get on with it.
0: Yeah, and I, I think I think there's just an element of you know there's a, a health and social care. I mean, we we're in an unbelievable time at the moment. It's completely different, you know. But if I go back to last month, uh, or no, we're in April now. But it's, um, but, it's, but if I go back to February, should I say, uh, care workers were described, uh, or, or you know, were were described really, or the general feeling was that they were described as unskilled, and that. Um, you know that really created a, a hell of a reaction from uh, health and social care workers and rightly so and so there's a there's a huge feeling that you know sort of their that doesn't make people feel that they're valued and that they're doing a really you know that they're doing something worthwhile when it's considered unskilled and I think they've you know they've used their language really poorly there and to, and you know a month later they're considered key you know we, we're seeing and you know sort of a, a, a blog about this actually recently but about about you know we're seeing care workers leave at a, a, you know leave care at an unbelievable rate because it's you know what well, it's easier to go and stack a show somewhere else and you know and and to be paid more you don't get any of the joy and any of the you know that that feeling of actually making a difference every day but you know people are starting to choose to walk away, and that's a really difficult thing to see. So we, we have, a, as, as hiring managers, it's a, an absolute duty to, um, to work hard to, show, to remind people what, what it is that we do and what it is that they do and the difference that they make.
1: You know? Well, this is the thing, right? This, is, this sort of situation, it could be, this is obviously playing devil's advocate now, it could, mm. I understand it's not a great time, yeah. but for the industry as a whole, this could be a really good thing. Because what it's highlighted now is how actually the care industry is ex- well it's needed really to be fair and how important the actual care industry is to the actual running of this country. Simple as that. And a lot of people are now looking at it in a different aspect and different eyes and going, "Christ, yeah, these guys are actually doing a hell of a lot for this country and doing a hell of a lot for the elderly and doing a lot for the vulnerable." Yeah we need to re- hopefully this will open a lot of people's eyes, and a lot of respect is now being shown to the industry now. So hopefully that might actually change the future. I think it will. I don't think it will ever go back to the way it was. I think no. this is going to be a positive thing. Yes.
0: Oh, do you do you know that I, I, that's the only um, sort of saving grace from the whole situation is you know is that hopefully and I mean this in in every industry in every kind of way of life like that there that on the macro everyone is just kinder to each other and understands you know the the value of of um. You, of of people uh, uh much you know because money doesn't mean anything today and uh, you know and and hopefully it has a lot less value to to people
1: you know in the months to come i completely agree completely agree so as i say i think this will be a good thing for the industry so fingers crossed that actually people who are in power take that on board and uh realize that and they get the 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 best thing about that is as well when obviously old boris decided to go down with it he got the he got the symptoms and stuff like that, and he says he was, life was stayed by NHS nuts, nurses yeah. and care community. Uh, he was the one that basically all the Tories were the ones that actually voted against um, uh, a pay rise for nurses, and they cheered. They had the audacity to cheer in Parliament when they uh, actually got turned over. Yeah, I saw, that, and then I saw now, the
0: headline about that, but to be honest, I don't know enough about the story. To, but you know what I mean. Like, but it's, uh, but I did see the headline
1: about. Yeah, they, they I saw the actual footage of it. What happened is in the uh, the Tories vote. I think it was last year mm. or something like that. They voted for uh, a pay increase for uh, NHS nurses because they do a hell of a lot. Uh, they're always there, and they deserve to get paid a lot more. Yeah, and, they, uh, and uh, the and the Tories didn't want to have it. So it, went to Parliament, and they voted That's, and they voted against it.
0: That sounds that sounds like a, a, Like I, I always want to look into the story more, only because like it sounds like a strange thing to turn down and then to celebrate because. They all know there's cameras there watching them. You know, oh yeah. There's got to be, oh, yes, yes. there's there's got to be something in that. I've got. I've, that's a that's something to look into definitely. But something to look at.
1: Like you get you got your your detective hat on now, isn't uh, it?
0: Yeah, I'll go, I'll go to, I'm going straight. I'm straight to fullfact.co.uk. You get whoever it is. I can't remember what it is. I'm not. We're not sponsored, by, <laughs> it, by the way. <laughs> but um, but yeah. But um. So. Um, I think I, I touched on it a little bit, you know, sort of my general feeling of, of care workers being uh, feeling a little bit um, uh, unappreciated. And uh, when I say a little bit, I mean a lot. But the um, but there's but there's a, a general feeling also that there's a like a lack of opportunity sometimes for career progression because there's only only so many senior carer roles. There's only so many um, so many management roles and deputy management roles. You know, so. What what would be your advice to people who want to develop their skills and their careers? What how how would you sort of suggest to go about that? Because, um, and just at just at one extra point, like because you know although there there does seem to be that limited approach, you know, um, I didn't think uh, from going into care that I would um sort of do recruitment and um different things like that, you know, and sort of uh, that. that, that you know, there's lots of different opportunities out there. It's just sort of maybe just expanding sort of your own view. But how how would
1: you suggest that people do that? Just well, the thing is, is when you come to a different career uh, and anything, you, there's an opportunity there to actually pivot into something different. Uh, you know, it's um, and that's this is the problem. It all really kind of finds out: Do you want to stay into that um, carer? Uh, do you want to progress into a management role? You have to really look into what you actually want. Do you want to get into a different field? Yeah. Is, there, uh, is there opportunities in there? Have a look. Do some digging and have a look at what the actual plan of action is. Do you want to go into social care? A lot of people that I've found, that I've talked to, because I know also a lot of uh, people who are social workers and stuff, they yeah. actually originally started as care workers. And they, yeah. they, they were working for um, uh, young adults and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And they really enjoyed that. So they wanted to make a difference. A lot of people that I've seen who are care workers want to make a difference in the, uh, and with people. And they want to help so a lot of them have progressed their career into a different aspect of it. There's a lot of things out there but really kind of find out is what is benefits, what are you going to be benefit from this as in do your research, As you are you going to be happy doing this role, how easy is it yeah. to get in there. A lot of things might be put in place but I would say there's always a way to get there, you know, yeah. is there a training course you need to go on to, find out about that, speak to people, get advice from everyone else and then from there you might be able to pivot into a different industry or a different field. It's the 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 there's so much opportunities out there now that a lot of people don't understand that are easily available to them. You just have to really look for them, unfortunately.
0: I completely agree. Especially on the part where, you know, you're saying about sort of going away and finding finding training courses because, you know, so many of the you know people who are in management roles now to be honest they're under uh, you know um, uh, an enormous amount of pressure to, to to deliver services and often don't have time to you know upskill themselves you know the you know uh, you know when you when you're actually there and in the role there's not all that much time to for your personal development so this so as before that that's the time where you really want to sort of try and find out how to make yourself as the most effective leader that you can possibly be and you want to be ready, you know, so you, you want to have those skills ready before you start sort of th- thinking about them, you know, and th- like you say, there's, there's so many resources on online and so many different sort of, uh, organizations and training companies and organizations out there that are offering sort of, sort
1: of, in some cases, free support. that really worth, it's really worth ha- sort of having a look into. Yeah. no. But the thing is, as well, when someone turns around to you and say, I don't have time, I don't have time to do it. Mm. I think that's the biggest cop out in the world. I think that's the biggest excuse. I think that's... You, you, I'll, I'll turn around to them and say, you're full of shit then. You don't want to do it. Yeah. If you're motivated to do something, you'll find time. Stop yeah. sitting there watching television. when you finish a shift. You've got two hours. You know what I mean? I'm sourcing some old-school Gary V stuff here now. Adam. I'm on my soapbox. <laughs> because, the, because the thing is... You it's, know, well, it's, it's, it's you... content, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, as well, it's... Um, if you're sitting there, you finish a shift at six o'clock and then what you're doing for the next four or five hours, you're sitting and watching telly. Mm. Why don't you use two of the hours to actually better yourself and actually push yourself out there? You're not working 24 hours a day. Fair enough, you might go to sleep at two in the morning, but you can handle fucking five hours of sleep, six hours of sleep for a couple of, a couple of months or something to better yourself. And at the end of it, you can actually, you've got something to show for it and you feel better for doing so and you've proven to yourself you can actually do it and yeah. stop making excuses. I haven't got time.
0: No, 100%. That's 100%.
1: That's, oh, I, I understand it.
0: If you're if you if you if you if, if it's what you really, really want to do, then um then you you know you'll you'll have you'll make the time and have the
1: time to do it and you know. Um yeah, absolutely people nowadays people nowadays do not want to make sacrifices. That's the whole point. They've got it nice, they've got it acoustic because life is easy right now. This isn't going back to the fifties and the sixties when you had to do stuff like this. We've got it easy. And the problem is now uh, there's so much other things they're tempting you, you know. There's you're, you've got it nice, yeah, but these Game thro- of times will not happen all the time. Ga- Game of Thrones is out here, te- you know,
0: testing us, and the new series of um, Brooklyn Nine Nine.
1: <laughs> well, exactly. That's you've got Tiger King, all that sort of stuff. Oh, all exactly. Netflix is love.
0: <laughs> so, what have you got going on at the moment? Then, what have you been uh, doing to keep yourself busy in lockdown?
1: Keep myself busy um, playing Call of Duty. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, literally, I. As I say, the, the, the main things I've been furloughed from my company at the minute as well, which is, um, it's, it's a great thing. Uh, don't get me wrong. I appreciate the government helping us out and all that sort of stuff. They didn't need to. Yeah. So when a lot of people turn around and select the government, the government are doing exactly what they can. And so unfortunately, the, 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 the middle management, the lower end of the, the government spectrum is not exactly pulling their weight, which is a, another story. But um, so... Using this sort of uh, eight weeks and how many months sort of thing followed doing at home, yeah. it's basically trying to bet yourself, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm starting the podcast up recently, uh, uh, the Walk the Line podcast, not as a host, and it's, it's really good. It's basically getting people on, talking about them. But you what had me on, nice didn't story? you? And I had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, I had, I had you on. You were the second episode, which is great, and I spoke to... Um, uh, um, last guest, it was on what was this week that's just been released. Um, he's a journalist and he's been all around the world to war zones and stuff like that. And he was chatting away about the experiences. And it's all about listening to people's stories, yeah, listening about real life stories, what the uh, troubles they've went through, how they've overcame it, and uh, engaging it that way. So it's gone so far, it's gone well so far. Sounds so I've good. been doing that.
0: Do you know, I actually listened to the, um, to the uh, last episode that you done with uh, Michael, I think his name was, and th- that yeah. was, uh, I would highly recommend that to anyone who wants to hear interesting stories. He was one hell of a uh, story type. Tell us.
1: So yeah, He's doing I'll- all right, wasn't he? But that's the thing is the main thing about using this time, if you're stuck at home, use this time to bet yourself, guys. You know what yeah. I mean? If you're sitting there watching telly all day, don't again. fair enough, the first week is great, the second week is a bit monotonous, the third week is boring. Yeah. So you could use that time to bet yourself by doing courses <laughs> on. Doing different things, or even learning an instrument—you know—do something you've never wanted, you've never been had a chance to do. Get in the bit of, Use this well, yeah, advantage. What well, well, well I'll do it. is I'll
0: I'll, uh, I'll um I'll look into it and I'll uh, I'll put some uh, I'll put a blog post up which links to some sort of free uh, free help and free training that people
1: could possibly do, which might that which hopefully people would find interesting. So. One thing I've actually noticed is that they actually open university. I've got. Abundance of free courses available, which last for about two to three weeks. Yeah, um, they're all there. They're all free. You could jump on the open website, open university website, and have a look at it. There's loads of them on there. I was like, wow, yeah. this is really good.
0: And it's and it all helps because like you know you learn something new with every single one of them. That's you know
1: they're, oh, they're, yeah. Yeah. there's nothing better. There's nothing. That you, nobody's going to complain if you better yourself and get a new skill. There's nothing wrong with that.
0: No. Ryan, I really appreciate the time, man. I really appreciate you sort of, uh, you know, like I say, thank you again for stepping into the breach um, at short notice. And, you know, really appreciate it.
1: Adam, thanks for getting us on. I really appreciate it. It's uh, it's been a good chat. And, uh, yeah, uh, I've I've read some of your blogs and stuff. Really interesting. So wish you all the best and stay safe, mate. Yeah, you too. So that was Ryan Walker.
0: I hope there was something there that uh, that piqued your interest and was of good value to you. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. We ha- next week, as I say, we have Sharon, who uh, I think we will have a really interesting conversation with Sharon. She's very, very knowledgeable uh, about both her nursing and management. There's, there's uh, so much that she, that we all have to, to gain from her. So, yeah, thank you very much. Don't forget to check out Ryan's uh, podcast, Walk the, Walk the Line podcast. Thank you again. Keep safe.